Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. everybody welcome back to another episode of dangerous world podcast we were thinking about changing the name but we're not okay we are sticking with dangerous world we wanted to throw a little bit of conspiracy in the title but it's just not uh it's not in the cards right now you people are showing us a little bit of love not of you not enough of you guys are paying i'll tell you that right now uh we need a little little more support on the patreon for the hard work that we do the great guests that we bring on including this episode with Chaz, chazofthedead.com. Um, I mean, this dude really uh, kind of blew my mind on a couple different occasions regarding this topic of the bees and how they potentially power the UFOs or how their technology uh, powers the UFOs. It's a fascinating topic, man. We brought on our buddy Ron um, just because he has a very logical way of looking at things. Still one of those like old head OG conspiracy theorist type figures. And um, I know for a fact that he's starting his podcast up. He sent me a little pre-record of what they did. It sounded really good, dude. Um, that's going to be a fun podcast for us to get on, Brandon, because this dude, you know, he's got a, a really cool intro song, um, uh, an experienced uh, audio guy, which, you know, you didn't go to audio school, but you were coaching these guys on how to do it. And that just proves my point that college is a scam, right? <laughs> So how are you doing this evening, man? You just got back from a nice little trip. Yeah, you know, violating that quarantine, uh, those quarantine recommendations as much as possible these days. No, I just needed to get out, man. Needed to get uh, in some snow, and it was awesome, dude. We were we went down to uh, to Sholo up here in the north northeast of us. Uh, it's up in the mountains. We got up to about ten thousand uh, feet at the top of the mountain, and uh, me and my girlfriend's son just had a great day snowboarding and skiing our asses off. My ass uh, still hurts. I can I can I can prove that it's just from the skiing. I'll tell you that. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was great, man. Got some, uh, and I was repping the uh, the new gear, dude. We got some new some new merch and uh, got some comments on it because uh, people out there actually have read 1984. There's some uh, there's some polls that say that some crazy amount of people who say they have read 1984 have not read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey you're look yeah. you're looking at one here okay <laughs> but no you know i've never said that i've read the book yeah. i just find the the entire thing interesting i want to read it it might be one of those things because i listen to podcasts all day at my day job because again not of you not enough of you people are paying for our content <laughs> um but so like at my day job I'm, I'm listening to podcasts constantly i was thinking about signing up for one of those like audibles or those audiobook type things and that would definitely be like the one that i would get with my free uh, like my sign-up bonus. It would be uh, 1984, George Orwell. It's interesting, man. That and then like Behold the Pale White Horse are, are um, really, really interesting. Uh, or Behold a Pale Horse, whatever the fuck it's called. But um, is there any kind of UFO dealings uh, out there in Sholo? Because it's, uh, it's a weird area out there. It's kind of seems almost like a, a, a hot spot for supernatural activity. I mean... They are not very creative, and they have seen a lot of stuff. I'll give you some idea. There's a lake that's right next to Sholo. It's a very big lake. It's actually called Big Lake. So they said very, they're very literal, oh. very, very literal people there. But they're also, uh, it is a, also a Native American uh, uh, reservation that we're on too. And dude, well, you that have... seems racist at that point when you make fun of the uh, the names uh, Lake Big, Big Lake. You know what I mean? Like that's kind <laughs> no. of that's fucked up, Brandon. You would have to explain to me how that is racist. No, no, it is. <laughs> it, it, no, no. It's so, so, but you have to, you have to imagine though that that these that that this enclave of people, a higher proportion of them, 
call back frequently to more ancestral thing, uh, uh, beliefs and ideas. Um, and because they have been here for such a long time, and these are the original ufologists in this part of the world, right? Like we don't have a whole bunch of written explanations of them, um, uh, uh, from this side of the world, but a lot of the animism that comes out of it is fueled by, um, Eastern central and Western parts of the world, putting out these kinds of ideas and to wrap it up all in bees, uh, like, like Chaz is about to do here. It, it's really, really good, man. I actually raised, um, bees along with my parents, uh, in Colorado when I was young. And that, that whole, this whole phenomena of just bees disappearing, that's, that was affecting us. We had, we had some, uh, some phantom, uh, swarms, um, uh, a few times at our house. And then one of, one of them was, was, was one of our beehives as well. So, um, it's weird stuff going on, man. And, uh, to bring aliens into it is, uh, is just fun at very least. And maybe has some explanatory power. Yeah. And when, like, you know, we did this Instagram live Chaz and I did, uh, I mean, at, at the time that this recording is dropping, this was about two weeks ago. Um, we get much deeper in this episode. So if you happen to watch that, go check it out. And if you listen to this and you like that, check that out as well. We are going to have uh, about 20 to 30 minutes of extended content on our Patreon at uh, Dangerous World Podcast on Patreon. Um, so if, if you're interested, just go to that website. Um, we just started this little uh, new thing that we're trying to do where instead of editing out to um you know get rid of content and just keep it to a certain time frame we're putting all that bonus stuff over into another area um so i hope that we get a lot of you guys on uh on the patreon just to to check that out and then i can quit my job and and get to the point where i'm actually uh, able to do this full time and bring you more crazy shit we're working on an episode right now about the royals that is fascinating um i will give you a little preview Harry and Meghan Markle are 17th cousins. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> if you didn't know that already, um, you know, I, I didn't know that. Um, but there's a lot of very fascinating uh, aspects to the bloodlines. They would not let her marry without doing a heel prick where they took uh, blood. They thought that that she thought at the time that they were doing um, like a health check on her. But what they were doing was just testing her bloodline. They, you know, it bruised her heel. It was, you know, pretty painful. I don't know if you've ever bumped your heel, Brandon, but it doesn't feel good. And um, so definitely some some interesting stuff coming in down the pipeline right now for us. And I'm working extra hard on trying to get some good content. Brandon's always perfecting his editing art and uh, looking into, uh, you know, his his entire side of what he does here. So, you know, appreciate the the people that are supporting the Patreon right now. If you're not already, go check it out. It's three bucks. I mean, if you don't have $3, just stop listening. If you don't have $3 to spare, just get off the feed, okay? We want rich people listening. That's it. If you're not rich, get out of here. <laughs> uh, you know, if you, got, if you got less money than I do, I don't want you here, you know? Because what are you going to do for me? That's that's the problem at this point. Okay. Um, but no, in all seriousness, man, this this episode is fucking awesome. Um, go check out Chaz of the Dead on Instagram, chazofthedead.com, um, Chaz of the Dead on Instagram. And then of course Ron, who doesn't speak too much here just because we're letting Chaz kind of run with it. Um, you can follow Ron at Middle Aged Venture on Instagram or Ron from New England on Instagram. That's his uh, new uh, conspiracy uh, kind of themed Instagram page. And he's going to be starting a podcast very soon. I am staying on him, guys. I know that a lot of you out here are excited about his show to start up. It's going to be great. Um, we're definitely going to be on one of his early episodes. Um, also, check out Josh Monday's podcast. Josh Monday, I think it's called Josh Monday uh, Christianity and Conspiracy, or maybe the other way around. I don't have it in front of me. But they've got three episodes out. They've been banging them out, man. We were on the first one, talked about 9-11 with a couple of Christians. And uh, it was pretty fun, man. Uh, we got an atheist, an agnostic, and two Christians, uh, you know, yelling at each other about 9-11 and all of the weird things that uh, uh, that are going on with that and how a lot of people still don't believe that it was fake, okay? Uh, no, it was very real. But honestly, it was just there was there was something going on there. 
But, um, you know, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, support us if you if you feel so inclined, if you have the means to do it. Um, and I'm just joking. You know, you can be our friend if you don't have money. I was going to say we appreciate all the support. I was going to say this is the uh, this is the entitlement that stormed the Capitol. Either way, you think what do you think it's Antifa or otherwise here? But no, no I mean, honestly, guys, we we really fucking have fun on this. Um, I myself actually like work an hourly job, so as soon as like more uh, uh, more support comes in, I you know kind of take off of that time, and more of it goes to better quality, better content. Ryan, uh, as we, we, I've, I've said. Many times before, we'll say many times in the future. He is the uh, the furnace of ambition on this one, and uh, and but he so he's he's breaking his back putting into uh, putting work into this thing, um, dude. Making our own merch like that is that is a thing that not a lot of podcasts uh, can 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 brag about. Um, it's a it's a it's yeah. a great product and uh, it's it's fucking fucking cool, dude. So um, guys, just uh, give us a little bit of support. We we love you guys very very much. Uh, we're having a, a ball of a time on uh, on Patreon, by the way. So come come join the club. Yeah, no, I am having a ton of fun. I just had a really shitty day at work, but I am gonna vent a little more here. A lot of these people that have podcasts are making coffee mugs through Patreon. What the fuck is the point of that? Okay. There's I, a lot of coffee mugs out there and there's a lot of shitty shirts that people are making. The shirts that we make are high quality. And the reason that they're cheaper is because I fucking print them here. I have a screen printing press. If this was a video show, I could show you. I'm sitting right in front of it. I've got a screen printing press from a previous failed business that I tried to start. And this is the reason why the shirts are cheap. You know, I spent some time working at a screen printing uh, operation thing. It was very successful. I just quit because I uh, would rather, you know, go to strip clubs and have fun. Okay. <laughs> so that's the reason. So that's why you guys need to fund our operation, just like Alex Jones. And to the ones that do, we very much appreciate it. Um, and and I'm sorry, I feel like now now that I'm just having a moment of clarity right now, I feel like, uh, like an, a, an angry drunk factory worker that came home and is just taking it out on their family, but I don't have a family. So I'm taking it out on you guys, but you know what? No. You can support us a little bit. Okay. Um, I personally hate coffee mugs. I'm looking forward to all the products that we're going to come out with, but fuck coffee mugs. Yeah. yeah for, for it's really, stupid. It, it is really stupid. I have too many of them. Every dude, I, I, my, my, my clients and I know the listeners who have kids, like they get, they get coffee mugs made for them. And I think they're yeah. the best gifts because they don't cost anything. Like I don't want to buy shit for that. Um, no, yeah, man, it's uh, this is a this is a really like from the heart uh, operation. And um, and like I mentioned before, every every bit of support, uh, whether that comes monetarily or otherwise, is um, is uh, really really bolsters our our confidence and our desire to just keep keep pushing it out there. We love all the criticism as well as the love. So um, keep it coming our way. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon is on the verge of divorce from his girlfriend because he is putting so much time in here and not making any money. And she's like, when are you going to make money, Brandon? When are you going to make money? And so that's why I'm pissed. You know, I'm single. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, OK, let's let's make this happen. OK, let's get it going. Uh, it's mostly for Brandon. You know, 80 uh, percent of the funds do go to uh, Andrew Cuomo's uh, fund to prove that he was innocent. (laughs) Act to prove he was innocent with all those touching accounts and all of the nursing home deaths. So a lot of the money that you give us is going directly to Andrew (laughs) Cuomo. So please support. And, and you can also uh, give money through us to our new, uh, uh, a fundraising uh, kind of channel I set up myself. It's Act Blue Anon. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but this is oh boy, yeah, yeah. This is no, this is this is like I'm actually partnering with Nambla. Okay, I'm gonna stop joking there. I'm not being serious about any of that. Jeez, yeah, that's a little too far. With that being said, guys, this is a phenomenal episode. If you made it this far, you're our friend alone just off of that. Uh, but this episode is phenomenal. Um, share this with your friends because this is literally some groundbreaking information that you will not hear on any other podcast i guarantee you that um so enjoy it share it and uh fucking cough up three bucks a month you lazy fuck welcome back everyone to another episode of dangerous world podcast got a very very interesting sort of discussion that we're going to be partaking in this evening with good friend of ours you know him to know him is to love him 
Ron from New England. And then we also have another one who, to know him, is almost as much love as you give Ron. Maybe more, depending on who you are. We got Chaz of the Dead. ChazTheDead.com is his website. He's bringing us a very interesting conversation this evening. Uh, Sort of the human or the insect explanation of UFO technology, this hidden phenomenon that is really kind of coming to the light right now. You know, it seems like, you know, every freaking branch of the military is disclosing some hidden information, uh, declassifying information about UFOs and the technology that they hold. Uh, But with that being said, Ron, what's new with you, man? When's this podcast coming out? I'm excited about it. Well, I wish I could show you the camera of the studio. We're all set up here. We're just trying to work uh, iron out through the uh, the whole recording thing with the software and, and all that. And I got to actually hit Brandon up sometime when he has some time so I can pick his brain a little bit. Okay. I mean, I think we got it, but but you know, I want to make sure that it's uh, it's good product when it goes out. So it, it's going to be real soon. I know everybody's been waiting or whatever, and maybe nobody cares. I don't know. I know I, I care, so I want to yeah. get it out there as soon as I can. I got to bunch of people lined up a lot of cool episodes lined up and Good, uh just looking forward to that hell yeah well that's what we're waiting for here and uh his uh his social media is ron from new england or the middle-aged adventurer you can see him on a lot of our feed uh and the one bringing the uh you know cutting edge research on this one we got Chaz of the dead on instagram you can see him you can log into his website uh, really, really interesting stuff. Your book, Chaz, say that long book name that I always forget, which I bought a <laughs> copy of. It's a fascinating book. Yeah, it's Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. Um, it's about my research into a uh, bizarre UFO case in Chile. And there's actually a Dangerous World episode about it. So uh, go back and, and find it. <laughs> it's awesome dude. i saw you guys talking about this the other day on instagram live i i by the look on your face right i would have thought you were watching kamala harris torture porn dude you looked so excited to be on this topic i was and finally fascinated. i found something that's very fascinating to me <laughs> well for the record i mean we've been trying to get more uh instagram lives out they're completely unedited they're sort of like a little almost behind the scenes of what we're doing and Chaz and I have a very interesting conversation just a couple weeks ago or a week ago, it seems like, where we, you know, introduce this topic. We'll summarize it here for you guys. But this is, a, you know, essentially it's how there are some sort of like similarities behind UFO technology and the way that bees get around, which to I mean, right there, it sounds stupid. It sounds like it doesn't make sense. But if Insane. you listen, absolutely, yeah, we're but, used you to know, that. We're used to that. If you listen to that episode or, or that that free little post that we put out there, uh, it's a good hour of conversation about how much this actually seems to make sense, even to someone like me that is not very educated. Okay, and then you know, Chaz, obviously, you have spent some serious time looking into this, man. So where do you want to start here, man? Because you're really going to be taking the lead on this entire conversation and just breaking it down. Uh, but this is insanely interesting stuff to me, man, especially with the UFO disclosure. So let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to start from the beginning because this has kind of been a, a rabbit hole of synchronicity um, that's kind of really just exploded in this moment. And it started, um, I would be uh, about four years, five years ago now. Um, I was in Morocco and I was traveling around with um a very strange group of, of adventurers. I'm still good friends with, with most of them today. Um, and one of them was friends of a friend with this very strange dude, um, older guy. We met at a roadside cafe uh, and we started talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, Cause you know, I was still doing my research back then. I'm always about the subject. Um, and he says very matter of factly that, Oh yeah, I know UFO pilots and, UFOs are, they're based on bees. And of course, that was a crazy statement. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I said, you know, honeybees? And he said, yeah, you know, honeybees, they have a anti-gravity chamber in their thorax, is what he told me. And that people have reverse engineered this, and this is the technology that they use to, to pilot UFOs. Uh, and that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of dismissed that story as such. 
Now, he did say his father worked for the CIA and the OSS before that. And that's how he said he, he knew this information. And there were some weird things. I met him a second time. And there were some weird things about that second meeting to that kind of convinced me that maybe, maybe he was telling the truth, at least about the, the CIA parts. Um, if you want the total background on that, go back to that Instagram live. Um, but I, I kind of sat with that story for years, never forgot it because it's so out there. Um, I, I sat with it for a while and, um, uh, in my book, Paranormal Expedition, Hunt for the Friendship, available. Plug it. Plug away. <laughs> in my book, I, uh, put like just a little one off. It's like one paragraph. I, I went back and found it, um, th where I, I kind of mentioned this story and, you know, it was just kind of a, a, you know, side thought to the whole project. And, Oddly enough, in the, the shows that have covered the book, it's been brought up a, a surprising amount of times. And one of those shows that brought it up was the Sensible Sociopath podcast. Um, and they're more of a general topic podcast compared to, you know, the paranormal and conspiracy ones I, I typically do. Um, but the host, he read the book and that paragraph jumped out at him because he had kind of a weird story related to it. So he told me, and, and this is on the show, you can go and uh, find it on my website or on their YouTube channel. Uh, they even cut out this clip because it was such a weird moment. You can see the reaction on my face when I hear this story because I'm amazed. Um, he said that a good friend of his um, you know, was in the military. He grew up in a military family and that his father, for all intents and purposes, was a man in black. Uh, and this is how he phrased it. And he said that his friend was sure that his dad had something to do with this kind of really shady operations and some kind of connection to UFOs. And when he pressed his father on his deathbed for more information about, you know, what he did for a living, the only thing he would tell him was look at the bees. And that was pretty, pretty bizarre. So, uh, uh, he told his friend and they always thought it was something to do with how bees communicate. Um, and there are some weird things to, in that research as well. But after he read that paragraph in my book, he was like, huh, you know, that's kind of a weird synchronicity. It's weird that those stories lined up in that way. Um, so that's kind of what put me on this research at first. Uh, so then I did some, you know, legitimate research. I went, instead of trusting, you know, secondhand CIA sources, I went ahead and did some legitimate research and I came across a couple studies. Um, the first one I came across was in Science Daily um, and it was about uh, bees having what they called an economy mode. This economy mode is something they do when they're carrying large amounts of pollen or large, you know, pieces of leaf or whatever, um, they activate this economy mode. And even though they're lifting near their body weight, they are breathing less, they're flapping their wings less, they're just using less energy in general. And science has no idea why. Um, so immediately, I kind of saw some weird gravity stuff there. Uh, the next thing I came across was a study about how bees build their nests. Uh, this study was quite interesting, and I'm going to read a direct quote um, from the article I read on it, if you guys don't mind. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, quote, a more dramatic study preceding the two aforementioned ones was conducted in the 1980s when NASA sent bees into zero gravity aboard a shuttle mission to assess, among other things, whether the bees could construct honeycombs, and if so, what its properties would be. They found that the bees did survive in zero gravity and constructed about 200 square centimeters of honeycomb and that the cells, quote, did not angle consistently downward when built at zero gravity. Now, this is significant because they don't do that on Earth either. Mm. So they build their honeycombs without, you know, paying attention to gravity. Structurally, you would have to build kind of a downward point but it seems that honeybees are building them 
in this way that ignores gravity. The article continues, quote, these three studies point to the independence of comb cell orientation to gravity. This despite evidence that honeybee workers have the ability to use hair plates on the base of their necks to detect gravitational orientation. In other words, honeybees have an awareness of the direction of gravity, which they use for other purposes, but seemingly do not let it influence the orientation of their combs. Again, this it says at the end here, um, how is this possible given that it is a key design requirement for a nest? I, I bet that so, was a, I bet that was quite a learning curve for a bee flying in zero gravity. I don't know how fucking <laughs> yeah. freaked out that, that poor thing that, that poor little bitch would well, have been. Well, I think that's what you're getting at is that it was almost the same exact thing. Like there was exactly. zero learning the curve. The point was that the bees weren't freaked out, that they built their honeycombs in the same way, in this way that ignores gravity. The other yeah, thing I took away weird. from that study was that the bees have these special hairs that detect which way gravity is flowing. And up until this NASA study, they thought that those pairs were for growing the honeycomb because they would have to know which way to grow it. Sure. But we know now that they don't. They just grow it whichever direction they want, despite these, you know, supposed gravitational limitations. Okay, this so is all why what would be the reason that they don't use gravity? D do you think that they kind of just use their own instinct or like what what is the reason that it seems that the bees seem to defy all other like uh you know nature building blocks it seems so i'm glad you asked that question it, it kind of brings us into the, the next subject the kind of meat of what i want to talk about but i also want to reiterate here there is contradicting opinions out there um okay. so they the common theory is that bees flap their wings in a way that create these vortexes and that gives them enough lift to fly. Now that doesn't explain the economy mode and it doesn't explain the, the orientation of their honeycombs, but it kind of explains this flight myth. Uh, oftentimes, I think it's in Jerry Seinfeld's bee movie. They, they start the movie by saying bees are too heavy to fly, which mathematically doesn't quite add up. What I discovered was that someone else has discovered the apparatus by which these this anti-gravity thing occurs. So let me break this down. For this, we're going to have to go to Russia. And this brings us to a little-known scientist by the name of Viktor Gerbenkov. Gerbenkov. Sorry, Gerbenkov. Gerbenkov. So, Gerbenkov, thank you. Russian, <laughs> it sounds like. So, oh, yes, we very Russian. So... He was an entomologist at the State Agricultural University at Norvabrisk in Siberia. Now, an interesting side note to that is I was able to confirm he was indeed a professor of entomology. The English Wikipedia says he is a self-proclaimed scientist, engineer, and uh, paranormal investigator. That's what they say on his English Wikipedia. But he is not self-proclaimed. He was indeed a, he's a, a, what appears to be a doctor of entomology, an expert in insects. Um, and he, he discovered a few things. He's discovered a couple bizarre things. Let's start with the, the more simpler ones. And, and we'll build up. So, one of the weirder things he came across was this type of wasp uh, for the entomologists out there, it's the Bathpectris horus. I'm sure I said that wrong. Um, but yeah, it's a type good. of wasp <laughs> that is a pest for alfalfa plants. Um, it, it's found in alfalfa. It eats alfalfa. Uh, it, it's a pest. Okay, I just uh, started growing alfalfa sprouts. Is this going to be a problem? <laughs> uh, well, from what I understand, it's it's native to Siberia, so probably okay. not. But it could be. Definitely not it here. It could uh, spread. I have, I'm not that sure. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. But if they are in your alfalfa, look for their cocoons. Um, they're going to be hard to see. They're about 1.5 millimeters long. But they have a very unique ability. They're able to jump up to 30 and 40 millimeters high. Wow. So it would be like if, if we could jump 800 feet up into yeah. the air. 
And I was able to confirm that this is also a real thing because it's still being studied today. Uh, they Scientists believe that they do this to find, uh, it's called um, micro habitat selection. They're using it to find a, a nice shady spot so they can hatch. But no one understands how they're able to jump that high. Even if it was the larva hitting the top of the, the cocoon, there's just no amount of force that it could generate to, to get those kind of heights. So this is a genuine mystery in science. So by comparison, uh, like why, why is this so weird for like, like how frogs can jump so far? Like why, why is it, and, and this might be a dumb question, but just for the, mm -hmm. the dumb people in our audience, I, I'd wanted to, to try and like figure out why, why this is such an anomaly, scientifically speaking. Well, it's, so these these are insects still in their larval stage. They don't have wings yet. They they haven't even okay. developed legs. And somehow they're generating a, a what for their size is a considerable amount of force to be we able a, to, to get to those heights. Like a tadpole jumping that. We we have uh, jumping beans here. That's that that this should have blown that that fucker away. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> so it it is kind of an odd similarity in in that kind of sense, but it doesn't just stop at weird cocoons. His main discovery was something that he calls CSE, or the cavity structure effect. And this he discovered because he was out in a field uh, collecting hornet's nests, dirt hornet's nests. And he had a basket of them. And he went to take a nap next to this basket. And he started feeling dizzy. He had flashes in his eyes. He had this weird physiological reaction to it. And it, it kind of was this weird aha moment for him. And he went back to, to study this CSE effect and found it is on in anything that has tiny cavities or tiny chambers, that beehives and all these kinds of things or rough substances or materials that have concave surfaces generate this entirely unique kind of energy field, that they have this unique magnetism to it. Uh, and he said that the uh, the physiological effect that this CSE effect has is very similar to what happens when you see a UFO. And for those familiar with my research, they're also very similar to what happens when you're on a psychedelic substance. So in this, this was a moment that kind of snapped for me because he's saying essentially what I said in my book, but he's saying it about insect nests and ufos so i have a quote here directly from his writings well it, it's translated obviously from russian but it's this is from him uh, about this cse effect and how it relates to ufos uh, quote it dawned on me once that the results of my insect <clears throat> sorry it dawned on me once that the results of my experiments with insect nests bear way too much similarity to the reports of people who happen to be in the vicinity of UFOs. Think about it and compare the observations of the same phenomenon in both cases. And so he goes on to list the things that occur in UFOs and insect nests. Temporary malfunction of electronic devices, disrupted clock times, an invisible resilient obstacle to movement, a temporary drop in weight of objects, the sensation of a decrease in human weight, phosphorescent lights moving, colored flashes in the eyes, a galvanic or metallic taste in the mouth. I am sure if you have read about all this in UFO journals, I am now telling you that it can be experienced in our museum. He says, come visit us. And he says, this is, you know, he goes on in that quote to talk about, he realizes that this is kind of a crazy observation he's made. So just to, just to clarify this, you're, he, he is saying that the people who experience and then report UFO sightings are physiologically having the same effect or have, physiologically going through the same changes as he was when he was sitting near a basket, a, a, a bushel of, of hornet's nests. Is this this is yes okay just <laughs> that's clar what he's claiming just clarifying that boy this this guy sounds like a real uh, summary <laughs> real Nobel Prize winner here okay let's go let's go <laughs> so it's it's pretty crazy though the CSE effect is still studied um it, it's 
the validity of it's kind of up in the air. There's kind of seems to be something to it, um, but it, it's a debated subject. Um, let's say it's more real than orgon energy officially, but it's still less real than gravity. All right. <laughs> so it's All kind right. of <laughs> in the middle of fake energies. <laughs> um, so this was this kind of energy he discovered, the CSE, we'll call it CSE energy, the cavity structure effect energy. Now, he used this to create a very bizarre device. So this ties back to the bees. Um, he was doing, again, he's an entomologist. So his research mostly focuses on nests and insects. He was doing a dissection of an insect. And it's very interesting. He says that he um, doesn't want to share the, the insect's name, its species, because he doesn't want it to go extinct. Um, there's a quote here of him saying that, uh, what would guarantee that dishonest people, half competent in biology, would not rush out to ravines, meadows, and forests to catch perhaps the very last samples of this miracle of nature? Um, so he refuses to say what the insect is, but I think our audience has figured out that it's bees. I bet it's this one, this one version of bees, and there's one species of them out there that don't collect uh, pollen uh, or, or or nectar themselves. They just fuck up other already established beehives. I bet he's like, well, <laughs> he's dude, just like a real hawk on I, bee politics. Right now, I'm looking at this freaking X-Files wiki episode where it's literally like, have you seen this, Chaz, where like there is a bee episode in X-Files where the bees are transporting this alien virus? And yeah, X-Files is a show, but I mean, you can go through and you can check this out. And you look at all of the crazy like X-Files, or I'm sorry, not X-Files, but like all the stuff that was involved with bees where like the Africanized bees were going to kill us all. And then the freaking murder hornets and stuff like that that was coming out. I mean, dude, like, do you think that it's possible, before we get more into it, do you think it's possible that the elites know this information? They're trying to really tap into that to where bees can actually exterminate the people. So before I say what I believe, uh, Viktor Gerbenikov absolutely believes that the there are other parties out there that has have discovered the secret. And I'll get into why that is in a moment. So here's how he discovered it first. He was doing insects or dissection on insects, and he found that in the chitin, which is the name of their exoskeleton, that thick exoskeleton that's on scarab beetles and wasps and bees. He found that under the wings of certain genus, certain family of these insects, that there were these bizarre star-shaped um, kind of indentations. And he, for the life of him, couldn't figure out why they were there. They, they couldn't serve a you know, aerodynamic purpose because of their weird shape. They looked very bizarre, kind of like a, a Mandela, uh, you know, uh, a psychedelic kind of weird flower on the backside of these insect plates. And when he dissected the section and observed it under the microscope, he noticed that it would float for a couple seconds and then drop down. Wow. And so he decided to stitch a bunch of these together until he got a little block of them that could sustain itself floating. Then he put a thumbtack on top of this block and this is where it gets weird as hell. You put a thumbtack on this block to see if it could support weight. And not only did it support the weight, but when he put the thumbtack on that block, it disappeared for a moment and then reappeared. And when this happened, he had that same CSE effect where he became dizzy and lightheaded yeah. and started seeing flashes and had a, a copper taste in his mouth. And it, it kind of really wigged him out. So... Here's where it gets very bizarre. He supposedly puts these, these insect pieces together in these kind of battery-shaped boxes. And I sent you both um, a video of them kind of testing these boxes. He would poke it with a stick and it would fly up into the air. And supposedly, he attached these boxes to the bottom side of like a wooden platform. He put a handlebar on it 
And he said that this platform would fly. Um, mm. it, it was literally just a, a wooden platform mm. with handlebars. There's pictures of it. Um, you know, one of it supposedly levitating and everything. Okay. So and, did it, did it, did it fly like controllable or was it just hovering or like, what do you mean? So he said he believed it was capable of, of impossible speeds and the photo, it just looks like, like he could have just jumped up in the air while he was holding it. Like the photo is sure. not definitive at all, but he said that it could fly very, uh, very high. One handle would control altitude. One would control speed. He said because it was literally just a platform, he would strap himself to it with the belt that he never took it over 25 kilometers an hour because he, it was just too dangerous. Interesting. Okay. And it, it became dangerous in other, other ways as well. So when he was on this device, um, he, again, for the same, for two reasons, one, he knew people would, would ridicule his research. And two, he didn't want the insect populations to be, you know, harmed because of this information. He decided to keep this hovering platform to himself and he would only use it to go to his entomological research sites out in the rural Siberia where no one else could go. He would go because he had this, this flying platform. He said while he was on the platform, he wouldn't hear air rushing past him. Only if he like leaned off the platform would he hear and feel the air rushing past him. He believed it kind of created this own gravity of bubble, uh, bubble mm. of gravity, which again parallels with, with my research. So here's where it kind of starts getting spooky. So he said that while he was flying this thing, it would cast no shadow on the ground. And that when people would look up and see him, look at his craft, that from the ground, they would only see it as balls of light or discs. That's Dude. how they, people would perceive this object when they were on the ground. It's like the balls Foo Fighters. Or discs. Yes, exactly. I mean, this, of course, it's clearly UFO phenomenon, almost to a, to a, a T. So he did, uh, when he first created this craft, what kind of led him on to the, this realization, when he first flew this craft, he took it out from the university. He, he just took it out of his you know, lab and put it on the ground in the middle of the night, flew up. He went over a um, suburb of Noboresk called Zatanuka. And again, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, but Fine. it's this kind of industrial district in, in this area in Siberia. And he flew it back to the, the uh, university and landed. Well, the next day, the newspapers and the TV stations in the town were reporting that two giant ball-sized UFOs were seen flying over the exact flight path that he took. Um, and he later on, through other accounts, figured out that this was an optical illusion. For whatever reason, people on the ground were seeing these spheres of light instead of seeing him. Um, so now it gets even weirder because it didn't just stop at this, this optical illusion. He said, while riding the craft, bizarre time dilation events would occur. And he says any of these CSEs, these B home, Coney home things can cause time dilation. He's got is, examples where he's. This is the, the effect where it's like in movies when they start start slowing, going into slow motion, like the effect, right? Yeah, that, that's kind of a, yeah, that kind of weird, wonky uh, kind of loss of, of sensation. And yeah, that, that's a pretty good example of, of how to describe it. He says this also alters time and he has examples of watches that are left next to these over time and how they eventually slow and things but he says while riding the craft that this is you know this effect is tenfold he said that he had um he would collect insects and test tubes and samples and when he would fly back to his laboratory he would take them out and some of them had reverted back to larval stages that they were, they, they became younger during his trip. He would also go to these remote areas and where he would land, he would find that the, the nests and the larvae had aged much rapidly, much quicker than the surrounding areas. Um, that the, the nests around his landing site 
the the larva would hatch three, four times as fast as, as the ones not. Uh, so his watch as well would also be messed up. And here's the most interesting part is he said during flights, what would happen with his watch most often would, it would go through moments where it would spin very quickly and then it would go very slow and almost stop. And then it would go back and forth between this. And by the time he arrived at his location, most of the time the watch was back to being correct which is another wow yeah i wonder if they are so is he implying then that <clears throat> that a, a a swarm of bees uh because it, it, you know what this what this jumps out to me automatically is mm -hmm. that swarms of bees have some effect on their external environments like uh gravity you know gra so yeah well, it, yeah, it's yeah. hard to say at what size does this kind of effect kick in. Uh, from some of the other research I, I've done, there's devices you can build at home that he claims will cause these same kind of effects. Now, oh, okay. I've planned some research into that, so we'll, we'll see if that's true. But he says when he has enough of them together to create a flying device, it's really amps up these time dilations, these kind of optical illusions. And the other fascinating thing he mentioned was poltergeist phenomenon that would occur around this device. Um, and I actually have a quote about that. I'll read again directly from his his journals here, translated to English. <clears throat> Primary sources. Here. I'm finding some interesting forums right now on the bee and alien uh, connection too. So yeah, go ahead. So this he wrote, quote, the best site for testing is a distant forest glade. He's, he's talking about the device here. As far away from human habitation as possible. Otherwise, you may cause a phenomenon known as poltergeist in the radius of a few dozen meters within within the landing area. Unexplained movements of household objects, switching on and off of household electrical appliances, and even the causing of fires. I myself have no explanation for all this, but it seems that these phenomenon are consequences of temporal disruptions, a complicated and treacherous activity. Not a single, even tiniest fragment of particles should be dropped either during flight or in the landing area. And I cut the quote off there, but that was because this belief that he knew they were dropping and they would just disappear. And he believed that they were reappearing somewhere else. And that the piloting of these craft is poltergeist activity is simply a, a byproduct of these uh, um, time dilation, gravity altering craft, which again, lines up exactly with my research. So this was a second kind of like, what the hell moment because this guy said two things now that that line up with with what i was approaching the ufo phenomenon and i had come up with these observations independently of this this b theory um so him claiming that these all are are an application when with this as well as as what i know is psychedelics and what everyone knows as ufos is quite the coincidence so in regards to poltergeist activity and, and how he started to connect the, the two with his device, he had a, a quote about a pretty bizarre piece of uh, poltergeist activity that some, some niche investigators might be aware of. Um, again, translated from his journal, he said, I wrote that insects taken from there and moved over here disappeared from their test tubes with a hole formed in the tube if they remained intact at all. So this is in regards to what would happen to test tubes that were in his backpack and in his pocket while he was flying. Sometimes the insects would flat out disappear and there would be this little hole that kind of looked drilled into the glass. Uh, it turns out that these holes resemble similar holes in window plate glass. The latter sometimes appear in residential and office building, occasionally in bursts in the windows of several rooms and floors a hole three to five millimeters on the outside, widening in a cone fashion with an exit diameter of six to 15 millimeters. Some holes are melted and colored brown on the edges, just as it happens in the case of my insect in my test tube. It seems that this type of poltergeist isn't caused, as I used to believe, by short-lived microplasmoids of tiny ball lightning, 
but by particles and specks carelessly dropped while testing a device similar to mine. The, photogra the photographs of window holes on these pages of this document and made by me at the scientific senator at the Agricultural Academy, blah, blah, blah. So the, these little holes in the window, um, some people might be familiar with, I believe it was um, John Keel who reported uh, office buildings that UFOs seem to fly by would have these weird kind of melted holes in their glass. And he said the same holes would appear in his test tubes when he was flying the device. Uh, so this was another kind of uh, aha moment there for him. And you notice that uh, note, he said, dropped that they were caused by particles and specks carelessly dropped while testing a device similar to mine. Uh, so this kind of gets into to this other part of it where he realizes that he's definitely not the only person uh, to have discovered this. So uh, this is a weird detail I haven't mentioned yet. This is all taking place in the late 80s and 90s, late 80s through the 90s. Um, uh, he died, Victor died in 2001. So this is all relatively recent kind of, kind of occurrence. Um, as to the regards of, uh, you know, not telling this information and other people, he had, I have one more quote here. He said, I will be understood and forgiven by those of my readers who wanted immediate information about my discovery, not for selfish ends, but simply out of curiosity. Indeed, what would you do in my place if you were to act in the best interest of the nature, of living nature? Besides, I can see that similar inventions have been made by other people who are also in no rush to take their discoveries to bureaucrats' offices, who prefer to fly across night skies in the guise of strange disks, triangles, or squares, which surprise eyewitnesses with their iridescent flickering. So he is of this opinion that there's a bunch of other mad scientists out there in the world who have kind of discovered this independently and are, are flying around devices. Us here at, uh, <laughs> in the more conspiracy world, we know of stories like the Nazi bell, which shares the same kind of concave shape that he's, he's theorizing about. We know about these other kind of occurrences you know, around the world. And a lot of them seem to be connected to government facilities. So it's very possible that he, <laughs> that he um, just accidentally discovered this independently and that, you know, scientists, that this is the secret, that this is the, you know, secret space program, as it were, that this technology is simply based on, on these insects' exoskeletons. Wow, dude. No, I mean, to me, this entire thing, go ahead, Brandon. I mean, I, I was just thinking that, like, I'm lost in, in what you're saying, because this is, there's so much, dude. Like, I was talking about this, you know, before we started recording, this above top secret forum, where there's someone on here that's literally asking the same questions that you're answering right now, about, you know, mentioning how they're in this area where uh, B, they end up feeling weird, they, they feel confused, and then when they kind of gather their senses, they realize that there are beehives around. If you want, I can kind of read part of this thing where uh, this Majestica on this forum site was asking if any of these UFO uh, or alien buffs knew if there was some sort of connection with bees uh, and or their hives. And someone answers her, but then she gets into her experience here. So I'll just read part of it. Uh, several years ago, while I was living in Cali, some really strange things occurred, possibly alien connected or government connected. Who knows? But anyway, out of the middle of nowhere, almost directly beneath slash next to where we saw and felt some unusual stuff, there were hives everywhere. I thought it was unusual at the time, but thought even more unusual after seeing the X-Files movie, which we just kind of mentioned. In fact, it sent chills down my spine, but I don't remember the movie enough to know the connection uh, that was there uh, with the aliens, with the bees and all this stuff. And she was, you know, trying to make a connection with like, was X-Files a psyop? You know, it's obvious that like a lot of this predictive programming stuff, we... we 
we're not sure if they're trying to tell us something or if they're trying to sort of like deter us from what the actual truth is. Um, but I mean, I just started reading this entire form right here, but it seems just like this is one of those like deep, dark corners of this type Ryan, of research that a lot Ryan, of people don't even understand. Go ahead, Ron. What is that? What is that forum? Where you, where did you find that? Above top secret. You can type in uh, on DuckDuckGo. Like, uh, what did I type in here? I typed in alien and B connection. And uh, I mean, one of the first things that pops up is this above top secret forum. And it's this, it's this lady, uh, her, her tag. This is back in 2003 and in, in uh, July is when she posted this initially. And this lady, Majestica, is is asking people if they know anything about UFO and, and B or alien connections. And there's, I mean, there's dozens of posts answering. And she kind of just breaks down her experience. And it's exactly what Chaz is talking about, where he's saying, like, people are feeling weird when they're around too many bees. And I don't know if you've out, ever been out hiking, and a swarm of bees flies over you, you don't hear it so much. You kind of feel it in your chest. Like if you've been around like a drag racing or like a drag strip, how loud it is, you feel it in your body. Like when the thing, you can have earplugs in, you'll still hear it obviously, but the dragsters, like they rip past you and you feel it, you know, like, and that's, that's obviously because like the raw power that these vehicles have, but with bees, it's so quiet that you don't, I mean, like you feel it more than you hear it, or you, you, you know, you almost see it before you hear it, even though it's right above your head. Or, or it's like it's like a sense that picks it up, right? Sure. Like, uh, like, like you could be doing something, like say I'm out in my backyard here pulling a pot off a car or something, and uh, and we have bees like everywhere, bees, hornets, all that stuff, and uh, you know, and you can and you can just feel like okay there's bees here (laughs) and that gives you a heads up to you know kind of kind of give them their space for a little bit but uh but the whole thing uh when Chaz and i uh when you guys did the uh instagram live last week i was like wow that is a really interesting subject so then i started getting on it and then uh, and then Chaz and i talked and he told me about this victor rabenikov guy this russian guy so i started reading about him and I mean, it's all very, very interesting stuff, and and uh, and and to just get away from him for a second, the thing with the bees and the anti gravity, uh, was it Chaz? Wasn't there somebody that told you? Oh, you know who it was? It was Brandon's buddy Cody, uh, the other your fellow submariner that that uh, follows on the inside, Swarcy Doc. Yeah, he said mm-hmm. something about uh, the bees having. Uh, uh, not flying or but levitating because of uh, what's in, in the thorax. inside their thorax it creates a frequency mm-hmm. and uh, and frequencies can do crazy stuff I mean just look it up online the different patterns you can get salt patterns with frequencies at different hertz or whatever yeah 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 but anyway right. so 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 it makes me believe that uh, maybe bees are not susceptible to to gravity period. They could be that one thing that's on this earth that gravity does not affect, and that would and that would answer the question why when they took the bees up into uh, the space shuttle or whatever they did to do the test, uh, gravity didn't uh, it, it, the lack of gravity didn't affect them any differently than here where there is gravity, right? So so there's definitely something going on with the bees, and uh, which kind of makes you wonder, you know, <clears throat> I mean we all have our theories on why all these bird uh bee colonies are dying off right yeah i, I was mean, gonna get into that yeah i mean yeah is there something going on strange in our atmosphere or in our magnetic field or whatever i mean i know it's kind of far-fetched but but listen something going on with our magnetic field that is actually screwing with the bees and maybe not so much the glyphosate, which was my original theory right or what's killing off all these bees so th- so these bees i mean when you see a bee fly right it kind of defies physics when bees fly i mean i mean and then you get some bees like bumblebees that are huge and their wings are teeny tiny it's like how do they get that much weight like up off the ground right so so that's interesting that there's a bee slash ufo connection 
because uh, obviously UFO, any type of uh, flying craft or whatever that defies gravity and defies physics. I mean, that's going to make you wonder what kind of technology that they're using that enables them to fly like that, right? I mean, it just goes against anything physics that we have. But this Grabinikov guy, Chaz, what he discovered this levitation deal with, with was a type of beetle, right? Not a bee. It was a beetle. So I've come across a couple different versions. So in his early writings, he claims that there is only one insect in Siberia that has this. But later on, and in the video I sent you, he's testing on beetles. And again, he also mentions this alfalfa pest. So it seems later on in his research, he discovered that it was several types of insect of the same genus. And he was of the opinion that um, the, the Egyptians knew this because of the scarab beetle deification, and that this was part of their knowledge. And he also posits this is because he created, he says that pyramids generate a large amount of this CSE effect. And he says, you can test this at home by making your own, cutting a hole in it and stirring the air inside a bunch of times. He says, eventually you'll feel resistance in the center of the pyramid, right where the king's chamber would be. And if you put your hand above the, the pyramid, you'll also feel this CSE energy and it's kind of a generator. Now he just hypothesized this is what the Egyptians were on uh, or what they were, were using, uh, but he was never quite sure. Uh, as for that account that uh, Ryan found, that actually was quite interesting because I was thinking about this, this CSE effect and this kind of teleportation and the vanishing effect that it has, and the missing 411 phenomenon where people go missing in the, the oh, national yeah. parks. And, yeah. you know, young kids are found in possible distances away. Is it possible they just wandered into an area that has too many bees' nests and for whatever reason it teleported them into oh. a, a place and then they die well, in let, the woods? Let me give you my take on that because I follow that David Pilatus. Uh, Pilates, I guess his name is Pilates. Uh, anyways, really smart dude. So when you're talking about, I have your... some issues with his research. There's a review well... of his book on my site, but he does do some pretty good. Right, <laughs> but 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 listen. So there's a theory that all these national parks, right, are over the top of underground bases. So so are they doing some type of technology in these underground bases? that is producing this uh effect and it's and it's and it's causing little uh what do you want to call it little portals maybe perhaps portals or something like that so where, it's interesting where these you people bring just up, disappear it's, without it's, a trace. Interesting, it's interesting you bring up the hollow earth connection um because gurbanikov wrote about that as well he said that you can find the naturally occurring cse effect if you're above a cave, if you're in any areas with, with hollow underground, uh, especially with limestone. Um, so he, he noticed these kind because limestone is extra porous. It has extra cavities, so it creates an even stronger effect. So he came across the same kind of idea. And it's very interesting you bring that up because I have a very, uh, very large project, possibly another uh, uh, book on the way, about the hollow earth subject. Um, in North and South America. Um, and I'm, I'm plotting out some locations to go and investigate. But it it is bizarre. It is an interesting idea because we do hear from other people like uh, Bob Lazar and, uh, you know, these other people who say that, yeah, there's alien craft under the earth, that that's where they're studying them and that's where, where the research is, is occurring. So okay. if, if the CSE effect is as wild as Gurbinikov purports then yeah every time you fire one of those babies up you could be teleporting something or causing poltergeists in a, an area not too far away dude so i just kind of was researching a little bit of about what you were talking about and i remember because i've you know kind of gotten this like uh interest again that you know i'm really into growing food i'm all about you know planting my own crops just trying to be more self-sufficient and I remember when I first started, this was probably four years ago, 
uh, we didn't have enough bees here in Tucson in the summer to come and pollinate our tomato plants and things like this. And I was looking at alternative ways to make this happen. Um, and I, I, I came across this really interesting information where you can hold a guitar up to it, an acoustic guitar, and you can pluck the bee string. Literally, like, the bee string that's on the guitar. Well, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed that portion of the conversation. If you'd like to listen to the remaining part, go ahead and head over to patreon.com uh, and just search Dangerous World Podcast. You'll hear the rest of the bees and the UFOs debate and the conversation. Great, great stuff. Thank you, Chess, for what you did. Look forward to seeing you guys there.